Thank you for coming. Uh, when God speaks, when God speaks, what happens when God speaks? The question should not be, does God still speak, as some evangelicals are still asking, or a, a, a poor me kind of atmosphere where we say, to whom does God speak? It doesn't seem like he's speaking to me. But the expectation, the need for the direction and the wisdom of God to help us in our mission has us ask this question, what will I do, how will I respond when God speaks to me? There's an expectation there. And we used this verse last week and I gave the correct chapter but not the right verse and and some of you were kind of uh, concerned about that. It's Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21, not verse 12. A little dyslexia happened there as I was writing it down and and, uh, it says here, your own ears will hear him and right behind you a voice will say, this is the way you should go. And then the voice will tell you, turn to your right or turn to your left. We're coming into a season of strength and courage when we realize that God doesn't speak to spiritual superstars or just giants of the faith. He speaks to ordinary, broken people just like you, just like me. He desires, he, it's his pleasure to speak to us. We started our series last week on Jeremiah, a man who was so very ordinary, a man, a man who was called to come out of his hiding place. He, he loved to be with God behind the curtain in the, in the privacy as a priest, but God says, I want you to come out of your spiritual hiding place and be the spokesman for God to the nations, to, to your generation in your day. And we focused on this verse last week, and we'll do it again, just move our attention a little bit later. It's verse, uh, verses 1 and 2 of Jeremiah 18. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop, and here's our, here's our text this morning, and I will speak to you there. God speaks and says to Jeremiah, I have a purpose. You're struggling with the message. You're struggling with the audience. You're struggling with your role in the process. Jeremiah, I want you to go to this potter's shop. And and this is a message that I will show you there that relates to my purpose for all of it. I want you to go there. I want you to stand. I want you to watch. And while you're there, I will speak to you in ways that you can understand about things you need to hear. I'm currently underlining in my Bible every time that God speaks. He speaks more often than we realize. As, I, as I'm going through my Bible, I'm realizing more and more that there's a whole lot of underlining going on, especially in the book of Jeremiah. The entire book is God talking. Then I'm highlighting the times where God promises to give words of direction, give clear understanding as as to what to do and how how to do it. And again, the clear understanding is that God is a God who loves, who who longs, who promises to communicate with his people. To anyone who will posture themselves in a way where they will listen and receive what he has to say. This week, I've been praying for each and every one of you that you will know, that you will hear God speak to you specifically about the unique 
the unique challenges that you face in your life, that he will give you insight, that you will sense that he's given you direction, specifics about the things that you were called to do, that we will be a people who hears when God speaks. I love when God speaks and when he says things that I I long to hear him say. I love when he affirms my faith or, 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 or says that my conduct is good. I'm excited when, when he does what he promises to do in Psalm 25 where he says he'll show the secrets that he has to those who love and stand in awe of him. I love when he speaks. I'm less excited when he pulls me aside and he addresses the things that I'm not wanting to deal with, that I'm not wanting to talk about. I'm less excited when he says, you know what you did there? It, it, it was the right thing, but can we stop and just talk about your motive for a minute? I'm not really happy about that. Or, or when I've become all riled up about a person or a situation and have given strict instructions to God as to how and why he should deal with that circumstance as the judge of all the earth. But when he speaks to me, I'd like you only to come in my front door when you can be the God of love and mercy. Thank you very much. When God speaks, we have to be ready to hear all that he says. To to hear the affirmation and the correction. To hear the, the promise... And the rebuke. Paul speaks to the Ephesian church and he tells them a sign of maturity, an indication of spiritual growth is when our conversation is marked by two qualities. And those two qualities are these. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. Instead we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of the body the church, the truth in love. Paul says that our conversation should be marked by truth and love. The truth is the thing that we, we need to hear. That, that which is accurate, that which is seen from God's perspective, that which needs to be understood so that we can deal with the obstacles, we can deal with the difficulties and move our mission forward. But truth can be announced in, in such a way that it damages you, it, it handicaps you, it, it paralyzes you, it can even destroy you. I, um, I've let you know that Debbie and David and Catherine are in Spain, they're in Seville looking for the barber today, and, and um, I, um, I, I'm sort of floating alone, and when they left, I dropped them off at the airport, I went to work, and then when I went home, there's, there's in a different closet than our bedroom closet, there's a, a lot of shirts that Debbie doesn't like. She says, they don't look good on me. So she's taken them out of my closet and she's hidden them in another closet. I found them. And I'm wearing them all when she's not here. She has spoken the truth to me. Could have used a little more love, but... You know, I like them. 
truth in love. Love builds up. Love is motivated by what is best for us, the best interest of the one who hears the word. God says that the ones that he loves, he corrects, he, he disciplines. He loves them too much, believes in them so much and in their future. He has such a confidence that he has to speak correction so that they're they're not hindered in getting to where they need to go. So Jeremiah is saying some things to himself that aren't true. And Israel is believing and living in some lies and, and it's affecting the nation very negatively and there are a lot of ideas, there's a lot of uh, innovative thinking about progressive ways to live and relate to, to one another, uh, but, but there's no concern in the nation about how God wants us to live, how to honor God. There's, there's no longing for God, there's no looking for God to give instruction and insight as to how to be the people he intended them to be. And so God says, I've waited, I've, I've prompted, I've, I've spoken, I've pushed, but no one's listening. So now, Jeremiah, I have a word and I'm going to speak and I want you to give it. God's going to speak. He's going to tell the truth and he's going to speak with love with the intent to correct and put a people back on the road to their destiny. When God speaks to you, There will be affirmation, there will be promise, but there will always be correction. And it's not because you're bad, it's not because he doesn't like you, it's not because he likes others better, it's because he loves you so much, he wants to get you on the road to your destiny. There is a course correction, so we don't miss the call that God has placed on our our lives. For the nation of Judah... They've wandered far from their call and they've wandered even further from God. And he speaks to them. He tells them what it is going to take to get them back to where they belong. It's a tough message. It's a, it's a bit frightening, actually. But not a mean-spirited one. Listen to what he says. This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and I will do for you all the things that I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. Not plans for disaster, but plans to give you a future, give you a hope. When there are life and death diagnoses that are delivered to us, Generally, a patient will accept any treatment plan that has hope connected to it, hope for recovery. God speaks to the people and he says that the problem you have needs to be addressed and the treatment is going to be costly and it's going to be exhaustive. What you have now will all be lost. You'll, have to, you'll be forced to let go of everything and for 70 years you will be a people in captivity. You you need to understand, he says, you need to realize who you are. You need to wake up to who I am. You need to understand the connection between those two things. You need to be revived to the promise and the potential that you have been given, but that you're squandering right now. That can only happen 
when you have time to reconsider your allegiance, realign with the God who loves you, the God who calls you, and, and the only way I can get your attention is to remove you from where you are and put you somewhere else. When that transformation has occurred, he goes on to say, I want you to know that it's not me being mean-spirited and just throwing you in the cell and throwing away the keys. When that transformation has occurred, I have a guarantee that you will be receiving the full promise that I swore to you. Everything I said, you will receive. I will bring you out of captivity. I will restore everything that you've lost. And when that transformation has occurred, rebellion will turn to purpose. Lawlessness will become devotion. The death that you're existing in now will become life to you. The listener can't just focus on the correction. They they have to hear the heart of God. They, They have to see the motivation. I have plans, good, solid, wonderful plans that that have hope and, and future and destiny attached to them, he says. When God speaks, there may be correction that's needed, but there will always be hope attached. There, there, there may be difficult truth to come face to face with, but there is always love in the motivation, promise that comes to your best interests. When God speaks, even in correction, there's always hope that's attached. You have to read through Jeremiah a couple of times to get a sense of how really dark and desperate things are. You have to get a sense of how corrupt, how how far away this people were from the values, from the conduct that God had laid out for them. It it wasn't a short series of unfortunate choices. It's, It's years and years of deliberate rebellion that has taken them so far away that they're now thinking darkness is light. Everywhere you looked in Judah... You saw the fingerprints of other cultures, the influences of other peoples. And there was no problem with other cultures. The problem was that Judah had been called to represent, to reflect the character of God, the power of their God. The world was to be able to look at Judah and they were to see a clear picture of, of who God was, of his mercy, of his grace, of his patience, of his loving kindness, of his generosity. The problem was that Judah had so compromised the call that when, when, they, when you looked around, you saw no, no indication that God had any, any input, any influence at all. When the voice of God was saying to the nation, turn right here, it was almost as though the nation would say, well, you know, boy, that seems like a tough journey. I, I think we better go to the left. It looks a lot easier to walk that way. When God said, let your heart's affections be directed at me and at no other God, they, they compromised and said, hey, look, look, look over there. Look and see that what these other people of, of faith, other religions get to do. They, 
Their, their religion seems to be a lot less demanding. Their, their religion seems to be a bit more interesting and sensuous too. Let's follow their ways. And, and as a result, rather than a nation marked with the meeting places of God, where their people came to see their God and hear their God, the, the land was full of idols, full of shrines to powerless entities who had no ability to answer their prayers or, or meet their need. Compromise brought them to wrong outcomes every time, outcomes that had long-term consequences. The spiritual leaders in the land didn't take the time to go to God and, and find out what he wanted and how he wanted to handle the difficulties that came with that compromise. In, instead, they, they became part of the problem. The spiritual leadership did. The priests sold out to, to compromise and made ministry all about the money. They ignored God. They did what was popular, what was acceptable in the culture of their day. And, and their compromise took the nation further and further and further away from God. And, and their voice, there, there was no voice of conscience. There was no correction coming from spiritual leadership. They just said, ah, do what you want. And then there were those who falsely called themselves prophets, spokesmen for God. They didn't want the people to feel uncomfortable with their sin. In fact, sin was not a thing that they wanted to talk about at all, and so they didn't. Whatever you want to do, do it. You, you should have the freedom. You should have the right to express yourself in any way that you're comfortable with. So those who said that they were spokesmen for God were saying something different than what God was saying. They were saying what the people wanted to hear. It was a time that's not unlike our own, where compromise is everywhere, and common sense is rare, and life is cheap, And the things we face don't seem to make sense. And, and it wasn't getting any clearer. It wasn't getting any better. But everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. And the nation was a big mess. So how do you get the attention of a people who are living in a mess? How, how do you convince a, a hard-hearted nation that they are headed in the totally wrong direction. Well, you speak to them. You, you don't avoid confrontation because you're speaking life to a people that are headed over the, the end of the cliff. You speak life. So God speaks First of all, the first group that we're going to speak to is he speaks to the, the powers of darkness that are strong and having incredible influence over the nation. They're speaking lies, and, and they're speaking it in such a way that the people are buying the lies. 
They'd made it seem to Judah that because they were God's people, they could live any old way they pleased. Because they had the temple, the house of God in their capital, that God would never touch you, never do anything bad, never allow anything to hurt you. He is honor-bound to protect and to bless you, Judah. And God says, listen, those are lies. Those are lies that the powers that have influence and authority right now in this area. They're, they're lying to you. They're peddling lies. Don't be fooled, God says, into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here. It's a lie. Do, do you really think you can steal, you can murder, you can commit adultery, lie, and burn incense to Baal and all of those new gods of yours? God speaks truth motivated by love, and he says, you have been hoodwinked. You've been fooled. There, there are consequences for sins. There are, are penalties for disobedience. You know, when you get on the Deerfoot or when you get on, on um, Stony Trail and you go over the limit by considerable amounts, as some of you are apt to do, and... and I've been known once or twice to be caught there. You're not surprised when you get pulled over. You'd, you'd be surprised or you'd, you would be afraid if word got out that you could drive any speed that you wanted on any street in the city and there would not be any consequences. If, if, if we all knew that, if all of the citizens of this city knew that, tomorrow morning going to work would be like Death Race 2000. There, there's embedded in our minds that when you speed, there's a, there's a very good chance of consequence when we break the laws of the land. God's Spirit speaks to the spirits that are over the land, and he says, listen, you're lying. You've perpetuated lies. You, you can do what you want to do, and you have said that there is no consequence, and I'm standing up, and I'm announcing that there is a consequence. You, you've said you can steal from one another, you can murder, you can commit adultery, and it's no big deal, but I am saying to you, that whatever a man sows, that too is what he's going to reap. And God speaks to the Spirit and says, Listen, I won't allow lying to be continuing. There are consequences coming. He, he says it in such a way that, that it's serious enough that anyone who is listening, anyone who's posturing before him to listen, steps back and says, okay, I have to rethink my, my mind, my, my heart, my motives. But God also speaks not only to the spirits that are creating havoc over the land, he speaks to the culture of Judah. Culture are the norms that are accepted by a community. It's their code of conduct. It's the way that they relate to one another. It's the, the standards by which they say, this is right and that is wrong. He says, my people are foolish. They do not know me, says the Lord. They are stupid children who have no understanding. God said stupid. 
They're clever enough at doing wrong, but they have no idea how to do right. It's a a wake-up call. You were created for better than this. You have chosen to live less than more. You've been invited to a sumptuous feast, and you have decided that instead you will live with stale bread and cheese sandwiches. And you're not very clever because you, even though it doesn't make sense, you just choose to stay there. When God speaks, will we listen? When God speaks, will we recognize that he is God and that he knows what he's saying? When God speaks, will we hear what he says and will we respond in obedience? When God speaks. That is truth, but he But he has to speak love. It's in his nature. He has to give hope. And and it's not punishment to death. It's it's correction so that they can have life. And so he speaks again. The human heart. You need to understand the human heart. In the the Old Testament and and in much of the New, when they speak of the heart, they're speaking of the, the innermost being of a person that makes decisions. The center of decision making. And so when he's speaking about the heart, he's not talking about the pump in your chest. He's speaking about that place where you make decisions. He says the human heart is the most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. How often have you been told by someone or many people, listen, go with your heart. Do what your heart tells you. When it doesn't make sense to your head, lean into your emotion, lean into your intuition, listen to your heart. God says, that may not be a good idea. When the heart's not in tune with God, when the heart's going its own way, it's, it's crazy. It'll take you so far in the wrong direction. I've had many heartbreaking discussions. People who come to me and say, Pastor, there's there's this person in my life, and I really believe that God God brought them to me. Let me tell you the story. I I prayed, and almost before my eyes were open from praying, there they stood before me, and it was just what I'd asked for. You know, if God had allowed me to marry some of the people that I'd asked for, I would not be in the ministry. I'd be in a rehab program. I'd be in a sane asylum. I don't know, but I wouldn't be in the ministry. I prayed, and almost before my eyes were open from praying, there they stood before me, and it was just as I'd asked for. My heart is saying that it's right. I want to know, Pastor, what do you think? On one occasion, many years ago, the person had brought their answer to prayer to my office. And so there we sat. The prayer prayer was here, and the answer to prayer was here, and I was over here. And the request was, Bill, will you say that it's okay so that I can get married to this dreamboat? 
And, and even if it's wrong, if it all falls apart, then I can say it's your fault because you said it was a good thing. So I'm sitting there and I'm as uncomfortable as uncomfortable can be. And I can, I'm, I'm sitting there and wondering what to do and, and what to say and waiting for God to speak. And it gets kind of quiet in my office and it gets kind of uncomfortable. And God's not in a hurry and, and I'm hoping that he would hurry. And, and when he does speak, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. I'm not going to say that. The instruction is to look at the guest and ask the guest about their cocaine addiction. You wonder why I get paid the big bucks. There it is, right there. There's been no mention of, of nose candy at all. There's, there, and all of a sudden, I'm supposed to say, tell me about your cocaine addiction. And of course, there's some uncomfortable looks back and forth, and there's some eyes that get very big, and there's some lies, and, and, and so we press harder until we found that the addiction wasn't historical. It was going on right then and there. And I stated that I didn't think that marriage at this point in time was a good idea, that there were some issues that needed to be cleared up and cleaned up, that, that, that I thought that they should take a break and just find out what God was saying. Terrible, bad pastor, bad, bad pastor. Well, you know what happened. The prayer person was furious with me because I had wrecked an opportunity of a lifetime. And the guest was mad at me because I had blown the cover. Nobody knew. And now you've told everybody. I was the villain. And God says to the people, you don't seem to understand that your hearts take you to dark, deceitful places, that rebellious hearts have a wicked motive, and that you really don't see or understand the power for bad that's locked up in your decision-making process. You've got to bring your heart to me and let me touch it. Let me soften it. When God speaks will we believe that he wants us to understand the why of what's going on in our lives? He, he speaks to people who are in trouble about their trouble and about their hope. But then God speaks not only to the culture, not only to the priesthood, not only to the people, but then he speaks to the messenger. When God asks you to take an assignment, just assume that it's not going to be easy. When God asks you to, to do something, it's often under, not understood how difficult, how much opposition is aimed at taking you down, at destroying you before you can succeed. God speaks. This isn't a desperate plan, one that just popped out of, out of desperation or because others have turned it down and so you're the next list on those who should be approached. God, God says, Jeremiah, 
I want you to understand this. Before you were knit together in your mother's womb, I had created you with divine purpose. Before you were formed, I knew all there was and all there is to know about who you are and what you're capable of and what your purpose was meant to be. I knew all of that. I set you apart for my purposes. Before you were born and before, and this is your purpose, to be my appointed spokesman to the nations. Jeremiah, that's why you're here. That's why you're here now. You won't be happy doing anything else other than what you were created for. You have a purpose, a God-given purpose. But he's just normal. He's just ordinary. He's just like you and I. He's broken. and, and, And there's some lies that have seeped into the thinking process of the man of God as well. There's fear that's come. There's intimidation. There's inadequacy that all gang up to make what God says seem like foolishness, seems like an impossible dream. And so Jeremiah listens to the message of God, the the message God has spoken, and without reservation and without hesitation, he stands in in front of God and says out loud, mind you, says out loud to God, O sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. God, you must be mistaken. I'm not who you think I am. I'm untrained in the art of speaking in a convincing way. I'm way too young. I'm way too experienced. You you have to go and find a veteran. I, I can have people, my people, call your people and give you a list of people I know in my neighborhood that might be better than I am. The, the, the thing that is, is, is sad is that Jeremiah is partially right. He does present something of the truth. He was young. The commentators believe that when he was called by God, he was somewhere between 14 and 16 years of age. So he was young. However, the reason that God has the job of being God is because he knows what he's doing. Quite often you'll hear me say, boy, you're, you should be, just be so thankful that I'm not God, that I'm just his servant. Because I'd go postal a couple of days, you know, and just clean the thing up a bit. He, he knows what he's doing. In, in our limited thinking, it often occurs to us that we know better, that we know more. We have a higher and greater insight and understanding, but the truth remains. He is God, and his ways are always higher, always further ahead than ours. They're better, they're richer than our ways. Can I just digress from the message just for, for one quick paragraph? Church, when... God speaks. I want us to honor the voice of God when he speaks to our children and to our youth. I want us to listen with the intent of of supporting. He he calls Jeremiah when he's a teen. He he called me when I was a preteen. He never assumed that, that it's a dream, that it's a fantasy when a young person says, God spoke to me. Samuel was preschool when God called him. David was a teen. Moses was marked for service before he could utter a word or took his first step. 
When God speaks, you might be young and you might be unrecognized by the rest of the world, but God knows what he's speaking about. God has called them. God has brought them to the planet for such a time as this. Our Club J is not a babysitting service. We're raising up a generation of world changers. Jeremiah says, I'm, I'm inexperienced, I'm on train, but when God speaks truth and love, you've got to listen. And, and the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you, you must say whatever I tell you, and don't be afraid of people, for I will be with you, and I will protect you, and my word is my bond. The Lord has spoken. It's sealed, signed, delivered. Jeremiah, I have called you, and your excuses don't excuse you. You have my hand on your life. Don't try to get out from under it. There are a couple of things that are given in this exchange that I don't want you to miss. The first is this. Do not ever contradict what God says about you. When you read, when you study the word, underline, speak over yourself the promises and the declarations that God makes about you. Don't, don't go with what your head says. Go with what the word says. I recognize all the time the need that my mind has to be renewed, has to be rebuilt to see and understand the way God sees and understands me. I need to see me the way God sees me. I'll take a chunk of scripture and, and I'll speak it over my life until it transforms the way that I think, the way that I see, the way that I understand. I started this morning with the offering message from Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's, it's a declaration of, of blessing on those who obey. It's a beautiful part of scripture. And I will take it and just start to declare it in, over the truth of it, over my life, over my leadership, over you, my people. I, I'll stand up and, and while I'm shaving in the morning or when I'm walking and praying, I will, I will just say the promise over me is that you will prosper me. The promises you made to me will be fulfilled, that you will bless me with more than enough, that at the proper time there will be rain, there will come the resources needed for work that needs to be done, that you will bless me and bless our church so that we are givers and not beggars, and that you will make us influencers and not slaves, that you will equip us to be leaders and not spectators, that for every enemy who comes gunning for me, you will turn the attack around on my enemy. And you know, at first, you kind of feel kind of foolish saying that. You look kind of weird driving down. You have made some promise, you know, and people are looking and thinking, what on earth is going on? But after you've said it a few thousand times, it starts to sink from your head into your heart and starts to affect how you act and think. The other thing is, Repeat it until that truth spoken by God affects every way that you look. Also, never worry about what people say or think. God, God says to Jeremiah, don't get all caught up in the trap of what people think. The, the fear of people, of what they say and what they think, is a dangerous trap that will catch you and crush you and inactivate you. The focus is, what has God said? 
What has God spoken? What does God see? What does God want? And finally, know that God doesn't ever bail on you. His his promise is that I will be with you at the beginning, the middle, and the end. I will protect you. Not once has he lied. Not once has he failed to keep up his, uh, his, his bargain. You are not going to be the test case of God bailing. He's going to be faithful. Count on it. Count on it. When God speaks... He speaks with purpose. He never wastes words. He doesn't just say things to fill the air. He says things that you need to hear. So when he speaks, he speaks in alignment with the plan that he has over your life. He speaks truth clearly and with the loving intent of transforming your life and transforming your influence and transforming the culture that you're involved in. People might not understand this, but you're a big deal. You're a big deal. You're you're a culture changer. You represent God. He speaks to you and you do what he says and things change. I've, I've been so excited by by stories that I'm hearing about our persons. Some of our persons have snuck in. Some of our persons have had some heart change already. Some of our persons are putting up a big fight and they're mad as anything at the person who's praying for them. And that makes me even more excited. It means that we're dealing with something. We're getting somewhere. He, he speaks to you because there's transformation coming. He, he speaks to every phase and every situation that needs attention. He, he will speak to you words of affirmation, but he'll speak to, word, to you words of correction because he loves you and he can't leave you where you're at because you've got big things to do. He is heard by those who make room for them. Please hear me. When you say, I'm too busy, oh, be so careful when you say that. I'm too busy. You have to make room for God to speak. You have to make room for God to speak. Our response, our only responsibility is to stand with the posture of one who's expecting God to speak to him. Will you stand with me?